Lord, we pray, let revelation knowledge flow freely, unchecked and uninterrupted. spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen. Amen. I am a fruitful believer. Glory to God. Well, I want to welcome you to church on this morning. Uh, there's some things I can go ahead and say are going to be in the slide. A lot of things will not be in the slide on this morning as there is going to be a little bit of a free flow on some of these items this morning. But we are going to move forward on, um, well, the idea is to conclude this area of distractions on this morning. Or the general subject that we've been talking about is remaining focused, to remain focused. And I want to begin first here in Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. And we're going to look at verse number 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6. And this is where we're going to take off and we're going to see uh, where we end up on this morning in regards to our teaching. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. He says, trust in the Lord. Well, he defines what it means to trust in the Lord. He says, I can't trust in the Lord if I am continually leaning to the way I understand things. My understanding of things is limited. God is not. Trust in the one that is limitless. And he goes on to say, in all your ways acknowledge him. God, I acknowledge you this morning. God, I acknowledge you before I make a decision. God, I acknowledge you before I go into this meeting. God, I acknowledge you that you're here, that you're ever present with me. God, I acknowledge you in every arena of my life. When you do that, he says, he says, acknowledge me in all my ways, and he shall direct thy paths. So once again, once we look at this scripture and we understand, if I do not acknowledge God, then he is not the director of my paths. If I acknowledge God, God says, now I get to direct your life. It is not something that is contingent upon God as much as it is contingent upon what are you going to do. I haven't said this in quite a while, but I want to say this again this morning. You are as close to God as you want to be. If you want to grow deeper in the things of God, God is willing. He says, I'm here. But if you don't want anything but surface-level, superficial Christianity, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, as we begin here, has been our foundation for this teaching on remaining focused. 
It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now, there are a lot of Christians that can be troubled on every side, and yes, they are distressed. There are a lot of Christians that can be perplexed and, yes, be in despair, persecuted, and then, yes, by God, feel forsaken, cast down, and, yes, they feel like they're about to be destroyed. Why is this the case? It has everything to do with your walk and not God. Because he says, verse 13, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we, he says, therefore speak. In other words, we operating in faith is protection of our heart. That I choose as an act of my will, I am going to really trust God. And then he concludes this uh, notion, and he says, as we look, for our light afflictions, which is but... Verse number uh, 17, which is, but for a moment, the afflictions that you may be facing, the issues that you may be facing, the current circumstances that you are like, God, when is this going to change? He says, it's only for a moment. Now, it might feel like it's a lifetime, but he says, these issues that you are faced with are only for a moment. Keeping the right perspective of these issues then begins to change how you deal with it. God, I trust you, even when it feels like this has been longer than a moment. He says, they're just for a moment. He says, they worketh for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. I'm going to allow the trials, the issues to not make me perplexed, but I'm going to stay in faith. And God, I will take this workout, this spiritual workout, and I'm going to get something on the other side of it. I'm going to grow. He says, Verse number 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen, he says, they are eternal. Now, I'm going to need y'all to stick with me on this morning, because I felt like this morning I was told that distractions are real. <laughs> and so I'm not surprised at all when I hear it starting right now, because <laughs> that's what I was told. Now, we've been talking for the last little while about 10 distractions, 10 distractions that the enemy uses. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to review everything that we've been doing so in the midst of this particular series so that we can move along on this morning. 10 distractions, 10 distractions that the enemy uses because we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. One of the ones that he uses, as we said, number one, is seemingly positive attention grabbers. Yes? God's solution for that is self-control or discipline. Self-control or discipline. Control yourself. Notice again, he didn't say God do. Because the mark of spiritual maturity is where God doesn't have to slap you. Spiritual maturity is not God slap me every Sunday so I can feel like I'm growing up. That ain't growth. Because if I got to slap, or if I got to spank my children every single week, it is a mark of immaturity. It is not a mark of growth. Growth is where you get to the point where you say, I'm not going to do that. Notice what I said, I'm not going to do that. Not God strike me down so I don't. I told you it's going to happen, so we're just going to go with it. It's in my heart. I feel a pastoral correction. <laughs> Number two, we've said that Distraction, the next distraction that we need to work or watch out for is this area of agitation. 
Agitation being defined as something that is intended to stir or disturb you. Something that's intended to stir or disturb you. And we said that God's solution for this particular area is his peace. Number three is this area of annoyances or irritations. And they are intended to wear you out or exacerbate you. And we've indicated to you how we deal with that is just like Paul dealt with that as we saw in Acts. That he dealt with the root and not the fruit. You cannot deal with the devil getting in your flesh. You can only resist the devil resisting him in the armor of God, which means you're going to have to stay spiritual. You say, all right, I'm going to get fleshy. That's what you're going to get. You're going to stir the issue instead of eradicate it. Number four, we've indicated to you is this area of panic. Yes? Panic, and we've indicated to you that God's solution for panic is choosing to believe, to stay in faith. He said to Jairus, I know what you heard, but I want you to choose to only believe. And the moment you start walking by faith, one of the tactics you're going to see over and over and over again that the devil will employ within the life of the believer is one of panic. Something will happen that is intended to get you to move away from the mission or the goal. And you need to be wise enough to understand, no, that's just a distraction. I'm going to choose to believe God. Number five, we've indicated this area of stress, positive or negative stress that impacts us. Positive or negative stress that impacts us. And we need to monitor our stress levels. Monitor what's going on with us. You know, sometimes God will tell you, I need you to take this day off. I need you to rest. And you say, but Lord, I got a lot of stuff to do. You got to say, right. That's why I need you to rest. Because we've indicated to you that God's solution is a routine connection to him, the needful thing, to choose the needful thing. He says, I'm, uh, I am the one that restores you when you wait upon me. Which means if the more time you spend with God, God will show you how to deal with these areas of stress. These areas are being pulled. These areas, one of it we've indicated to you as well, is to cast all of your cares on him for he cares for you. But another way is when God says sit down, sit down. When he tells you to, to literally to put this aside until tomorrow, then he knows something. Because I've seen even in the past when God would say, I need you to put this down, and I don't want you to do this right now. I'm like, but Lord, I got to do this, I can do that. And then the next day shows up and somebody says, oh, we ain't going to work on that today. God knows what I don't know, so when he tells me to sit down and rest, or, or as the old folks say, go sit down somewhere, we need to listen. Number six, we've indicated to you is boredom. Boredom is an attack, an attack on your diligence because God's solution for boredom is faithfulness. Stay faithful. Be diligent. He says, I'm a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. Stay faithful to the assignment. Resist your emotions of boredom and stick with what your spirit man is telling you, in fact, to do. And then on uh, this past week, on Thursday, we indicated to you number seven, which is speed. Speed, which is proceed acceleration towards a desired goal. Now, the reason why this becomes a distraction or even a temptation within our life is because it is something that you want. It is something that you want to accomplish. 
It is something that you want to achieve. And the devil sees you pursuing certain areas, and he says, you don't need to do all of that. I got a shortcut to this desired goal. And one of the things that uh, I saw this morning is that it is possible to worship your vision over God. One of the reasons why God says slow up is because he's purifying motives. Why do you want this? I know I gave you the vision. I know you saw it. But for what are you doing this for? You can get to a point in your life that even a good thing, you can start elevating that over your worship of God little by little. It ain't about God anymore. It's about you and the vision you saw and what you're trying to create and what we're trying to build. And so when that begins to become the situation in your life, shortcut become something that is able to be used in your life because you want to accomplish the goal, don't you? Forget about God. Forget about the one. He's the one that put you there. Forget about the one. He's opened up the door. Forget about all that because all of a sudden the vision is God in your life and not God. Beware of shortcuts, even to a desired goal. Amen? God's solution for this area of distraction is patience. Good old-fashioned patience. And I haven't said this in a while, but I'm going to say it again this morning. Patience is not patient unless you're being patient. <laughs> it's not. Patience is not patience if you decided that I'm not going to be patient today. I have to choose to be patient. I have to choose to believe that my very times are in the hands of my God. And this morning, praise God, number eight, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter number two. Let's look at number eight, the eighth distraction that the devil attempts to utilize within our life. Number eight. Scripture says this, 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 15 out of the King James Version of the Bible. It says this, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Love not the world, the world. Don't have a wrong relationship with the world. Do not, let me just, do not have a wrong affection towards the world. You know, it's just one of the problems that we have in church today. The church has gotten to the point that we're more interested in being worldly than being spiritual. We want to look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, and we think that is the way to draw the world. We got to learn that we, in fact, do have to be light in darkness, which means, yes, you, he said you were peculiar people. Now, when old holiness folks here peculiar, that means weird. That ain't what he means. Have such a dynamic walk with God that people can see the distinction on your life. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. He says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you have a wrong affection for the world, then he says, my love ain't in there because they can't coexist. Then he says, verse 16, for all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, he says, is not of the Father, but of the world. So he gives us three areas. He says, all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. The New Living Translation literally says, the craving for physical pleasure. 
And it says, the lust of the eye. What's that? The craving for everything you see. And then he says, the pride of life. The New Living Translation says, pride or accomplishment of possessions. He says, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. These three areas are corrupting a lot of Christians today. We are so interested in all the superficial, the physical pleasures, the craving for everything that you see, the pride and the achievement of possessions. And he says, if you have a wrong affection for these things that come from the world, he says, my love can coexist on the inside of your heart. And so from this, we begin to understand that one of the distractions that the devil uses is for you to start sowing things to your flesh. You are now running after things that will gratify your flesh instead of things that will please your heavenly father. And notice this. Let's turn over, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter number 6. I'm going to read this out of the uh, Amplified Version of the Bible. Matthew chapter 6. And let's look at verse 24, familiar scripture, but I want to reiterate it this morning. It says here, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the other uh, one and despise. So my devotion, dare I say, my worship will be to one, and he says you will despise the other, which means think it's beneath you. He says, or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I love how the Amplified Bible breaks out what mammon is. He says money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever you value more than the Lord. He says you got to draw the line. Is your love for the world killing your walk with God? Because it can't coexist. He says, you can't serve two masters. You got to choose. And so when God says, I want you to focus in on what I'm saying, but the world comes around and says, but what about what you can do here? What about the pleasures of life? What about the craving for everything that you see? What about the fact that you want to show everybody that you have accomplished something? It is a distraction to pull you away from first things first. God doesn't have a problem with you having stuff. He does have a problem with stuff having you. Turn over to Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. Now watch this. Galatians chapter number 6, and I want to read this out in the New Living Translation. And verse number 8. Notice this. It says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death by that sinful nature. He says the King James traditionally uses they will reap corruption. But I love how he says it here. Those who live only to satisfy the sinful nature. What is the sinful nature? The person that is looking to only live for what their physical pleasures want. The person that's only living for the cravings of what they can see. The person that's living based on achievements. He says those people, there's a harvest coming. He says those that only live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay. There is a harvest for you seeking after your flesh. He says spiritual decay and death from sinful that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Matthew 
6 and verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Those things that the world says it can offer you. So those things that the world even says it can offer you quicker. Those things that gratify your flesh. Those things that you say, I, I, I need this, Reverend. I got to have this. God says, seek the kingdom first and all the other stuff will be added. Because God says, when you seek me first, then I become God of your life. And when I'm God of your life, then all the additions come from me and they are good. They are everlasting. They are going to be given to you with peace attached to it and not the other stuff that you're going to have to harvest if you decide to sow to your flesh. Now, so God's solution for this area of distraction of gratification of the flesh is his divinely ordered solutions. His divinely ordered solutions. Well, what does that mean, Reverend? Well, I'm glad you asked. It means he gives us process. Well, what is process? It is a series of actions that take in order, that you take in order to achieve a result. He says, I give you a process. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his way of operating. And then he says, I'll give you everything else. So in other words, he's saying, I'm going to give you process. I'm going to give you a series of actions. This is, this is what you do. This is how you operate. If you have your Bibles, turn over to John 14. John 14. I told you we're going to be off the slide. So John 14. Let me look at verse number 15. John 14, verse number 15. Notice what the scripture says here. John 14 and verse number 15. This is Jesus speaking, so it's in the red, right? It says, if ye, I'm sorry, if ye love me, he says, keep my commandments. So he says the love of the Father is not in you if you have a desire or a love for the world. And Jesus says emphatically right here, he says, if you love me, keep my commandment. What does it mean? Keep my process. Well, what does the word commandment there mean? We've looked this up in the past, and I want to reiterate this morning. One of the definitions of this word commandment literally is interpreted authoritative prescriptions. He says, if you love me, then the things that I prescribe for you in your life will become something that's meaningful for you. If your love is displayed and is showing that you are not interested in keeping my authority prescriptions, that means your love is for the world and not for me. Does that make sense? So what he does, the answer or the solution to this gratification of the flesh is he gives godly solution up. He says, I'm first going to give you process. I'm going to give you a series of actions. And one of the things you'll notice that when you start seeking first the kingdom of God, God says, I'm going to begin to work on you. I'm going to say, I need you to start doing this, this, and that. What is that? I'm going to give you a prescription. Can you see yourself like in the doctor's office and you say, all right, Jesus, fix me. And Jesus said, all right, this is what we're going to need for you to do. But you and your hard hair self say, well, I hear that. That's real good, Reverend, but I'm going to go out and do what I've been doing. Well, you're going to get the same results you've been getting. Then when next time you show up at the doctor's office, i.e. maybe at church, then this prescription didn't change. You didn't do the prescription. The process. He gives you process. Well, the process produces procedures. What is a procedure? It's a set of actions. 
that is the original or you accept, uh, it is a set of actions that is official. When he gives you process, that's a series of actions. When he gives you procedure or when it becomes or produces in you procedure, this is how we do what we do. This becomes an official thing within my life. You accept this as the way of doing something, meaning this is something that has become routine for you. He says, I give you process. These are the actions. You going out of the doctor's office and doing what he said to do, it becomes this is my procedures of life. And he says, when you do things the way I tell you to do it, and it becomes something that's routine for you, he says, now what happens is it results in manifestation of the provision that he's already had for you. So what happens is he gives you process. God's divinely ordered solution is, I'm going to give you a set of actions. That's your process. And it, until it becomes a procedure for you, something that's routine, you will not meet with provision. Process equals procedures equals provision. If you miss any part of it, you won't get the provisions. His original intent for you. So you say, Reverend, I'm my flesh is screaming. I got to have this. God says, I'm going to give you a process. Are you going to do the process to become procedure so that you can get to the provision? The thing that you want to achieve within life, are you going to submit to the process, produce procedures so that you can get the provision? He says, that's on you and not on me. Because everything that you need, God says, I have a solution. If you sow to your flesh, you will of your flesh bring corruption. But if you sow to the spirit to do things through God's process, through his procedure, you will receive the manifestation. Trusting God's prescription is something that we have to make up in our mind. Yes, we're going to do that. Even when we don't think, he knows what he's doing. Number nine. Number nine, one of the reasons why we're going through all the last three together is because they really coincide together. Really, uh, the last four do. Number nine, the ninth area that we need to discuss concerning distractions is this area of time wasters or something that is intended to drain you, a time waster. Turn over, if you will, to Psalms 3, 39 in verse, I'm sorry, 39 in verse number four. Psalms 39 and verse number 4. Notice this. I'm going to read this out of the uh, New Living Translation. Psalms 39 and verse number 4 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. He says, remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. He says, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is a breath. Time wasters are stuff that shows up in your life that are intended to drain you. You spend 20 years doing the wrong thing, 30 years doing the wrong thing, 10 minutes doing the wrong thing. Time wasters are a distraction that shows up where, yeah, yeah, you, once again, it's very, it's a correlation with attention grabbers, but it can be something that operates in your life, and it, uh, I'll show you this, Mark chapter number four, it can be an area that shows up in your life such as offense, offense is nothing but a time waster, it is a distraction, Mark chapter number four, let's look at that really quick, Mark chapter number four, check this out, we read this before as well. 
This is where Jesus is talking about the soul so of the word. And he talked about those that stay focused enough in order to bring it into manifestation. But notice that Mark chapter number four and verse number, uh, let's start at verse number 15. It says, and these are they that are sown by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they, verse number 16, these are they that are likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately have received it with gladness. And, verse 17, and have no root in themselves and endure but for a time afterwards when, notice he says, when afflictions and persecutions arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Well, what is offense here? It is a distraction. Because what happens is when the word is sown, you decide, again, we can go back to what we just talked about. When I decide I'm going to take God's process, the devil says, I got to start showing up in their life and I got to make sure something that happens, there's an affliction that shows up that gets them into an area where you will be offended. And when you move into offense, he stalls you, wasting time. And a lot of people, what happens is you get offended at God and you move away from God and your life begins to stall. Or you get offended at somebody and you keep that on the inside. God says, let it go. You say, I'm not. Do you remember what they did to me? I'm not never going to let that go. And you get indignant with God. And little by little, you're wasting time. And one of the things that this scripture says over in Psalms 39, he says, God, teach me how brief my life is. I've said in the past, and I'll say again this morning, I was at the foot of somebody that was getting ready to die, and he was thinking about his life and the mistakes he made, and he said, I made a lot of stupid mistakes, Anthony. And I looked at him, and I wanted to say something that was kind of churchy and nice, but I didn't have nothing to say because I wanted to say, yeah, you did. But the reality is he only saw it at the end of his life. And unfortunately, that's the case with a lot of folks. You waste time being offended. You waste time with bitterness. You waste time with other stuff. And the stuff that God wanted to do through your life, it does have a time limit attached to it. Wasting time is a distraction. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times because the days are evil. Walk circumspectly. Let stuff go when God tells you to let it go. Don't waste your time with foolishness. Move into offense. Move into areas where God says, I need you to stop wasting the time that you have because no, you don't have forever. Number 10. Number 10, the 10th distraction which coincides with this area of time wasters, which is time wasting is a delay of you, is intended to delay you. But the 10th one is a substitute, a substitute. It is a distraction that is intended to derail you. Let me say that again. The distraction of time wasting is intended to delay you. You might still make the destination or a percentage. But the distraction of a substitute is intended to completely derail you, to throw you completely off the course. Genesis chapter number three. Genesis chapter number three. Now notice this. We remember this story at the beginning of the beginnings. Genesis chapter three says, now the serpent, verse three says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, Ye shall eat of the eat the tree, eat, eat, not eat of every tree of the garden. In other words, what he says to you, listen, this cunning snake, this cunning, which means literally translated clever. Remember, we talked about in the beginning of the series, that's the issue that we need to understand. The devil is not stupid. He will watch you to find the weak spots. And the desire from Adam and Eve is, in fact, they wanted a wisdom. But the devil said, you don't need God to accomplish that. I will give you a substitute, which means I will give you the ability, if you will, to have this wisdom without God, to elevate areas of pride within your life. You don't need God. You can just have this, and this will do. This will be good enough. It's a substitute. You know, this is one of the reasons why a lot of people get into areas of astrology is because it's a substitute. It's intended to stand in place of what God wanted for you is to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But because you don't know how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you start looking at the stars and saying, you're an Aquarius, you're a Sadducees, all these kind of things so that you can get your word from something that the devil created instead of finding your word from what God said. It's a substitute. This is the reason why so many men get into areas of adultery. This is why women get into areas of adultery because the devil shows up and says, you can't get what you need at home, so I'm going to give you a substitute. This substitute will derail what you were intended for to you to manifest within the life of your family. I was listening to a message here recently, and I only heard this little cut of it. It was Pastor Gould before he died. He was talking about he had having counseling with someone, and the man said, listen, God forgave me of my adulterous affair, but my family never fully healed. And he said, if I could go back in time, I would tell my younger self, don't do this because it's going to create that. Even in the forgiven state. A distraction of a substitute. You say, all right, I'm going to start doing this. The devil says, all right, you don't need to do that. I'm going to give you this. You said, I am believing God for my husband. The devil says, all right, I'm going to give you a boyfriend. The boyfriend is not anything that you need, but he is somebody that has muscles and he does have a private part, but he doesn't give you anything else. It's a distraction of a substitute. When God said, if you just would do things my way and hold out for my timing, in my divine time, I have a man that's coming down the corner just for you. One that I've been crafting, I've been shaping, I've been, he's been in hiding for all of these years because I've been working on him. And now you're in the position where I can bring him forth. And now here's a substitute to distract you. What is your solution in God for distraction of substitutions? What is the solution? What are we supposed to do? John chapter number 18. John chapter number 18. The distraction of the substitute. Because it seems to me, if we open pray to the devil in this way, there has to be a solution, yes? John chapter 18, this is Jesus speaking to Pilate. Notice he says, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Aren't thou a king? Jesus answered and said unto him, I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I unto the world, that I should be, he says, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Now notice the latter part, everyone 
that hears, or everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Turn back to verse six, chapter 16, and he says, Hell bet, when the spirit of truth comes, uh, when the spirit of truth comes, uh, is come, he will guide you into all truths. Verse 13. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, and he shall, he says, that shall he speak, and he shall or will show you things to come. In other words, he says, listen, my solution for these substitutes is for clarity of my voice. Clarity of my voice. He says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. I told you, sanctify I pray, sanctify them to thy word, thy word of truth. I told you that you can hear my voice. And so when I begin to have substitutes as a distraction, God says, listen to me and not the substitute. That also means there are going to be times when a substitute shows up and it's something that you like, something that you want, dress the way you want. And God says, I want you to listen to me. Value my voice over this. Once again, this is a choice. What are you going to do? Am I going to be distracted with the substitute which intended to derail my purpose, derail my entry into my destination and my, in fact, my destiny that God had for me? Or am I going to resist this distraction and stay focused? This is what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. God said, all right, listen, I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you everything that you need. You walk with me. You talk with me. All of these kind of things. But if you would only not be distracted by a substitute. Notice the first thing that happens when they fall into this area of the substitute is that they hide themselves from the presence of God. When you give in to substitutes, that's exactly what you do. You hide from the voice of God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that God comes in the cool of the garden and his voice is heard. And he says, Adam, where are you? What does he say? My voice is heard and you don't want to hear it anymore. Why? Because you give and pray to a substitute. And so many times this is exactly what happens with the believer. You give and pray to a substitute. You place this into your life and you don't want to hear from God anymore. You don't want to hear all that Bible stuff anymore. You don't want to hear about the kingdom of God anymore because a substitute is living in your house. And God won't correct that if you don't agree to correct that yourself. You got to get up and say, no, I'm not going to do this not anymore. I've wasted my time. I've been wasting my life with this substitute when God got something better for me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up away from this substitute and get back in the place where God has set me so I can indeed start refocusing my attention on what he said over this mess that I've been dealing with. The tenth one is a substitute. Amen. Now, I didn't intend to, to, to do it this hard. <laughs> Let us pray. Lord, we, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, over the course of this series, you have shown us areas where we are going to have to make decisions. Lord, you've shown us the destination. You've shown us in every point in this series a solution for every distraction. Now, Lord, this morning, we commit to appropriate those things that you've taught us. 
so that we are not governed by our flesh. We're not governed by our emotions. We are governed by what you said. We choose to resist the temporal to embrace the eternal. And Lord, at the very root of it, God, we decide to trust you. When we don't know what we're doing, we trust you. Lord, when we're not sure, we trust you. God, when we see something that contradicts what you said, we still, we trust you. Lord, when the burdens of our life are weighing us down, God, we trust you. And because of this trust, Lord, we thank you that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so, Lord, we just choose to stay in faith. We choose to focus in on your promises and not the problem. We choose, Lord, to not be perplexed because you are indeed a way maker. We thank you, Lord, no good thing will you uphold from them that walk uprightly before you. And so, Lord, we're not even be distracted by saying, Lord, when is it going to happen for me? When is that going to happen? What's going on, God? We thank you that your timing is perfect. And so, Lord, we rest. We rest in your goodness. We rest in confidence knowing that surely it shall come to pass. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. It's giving time. Let's look, if you will, really quick, really, really quick. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 11. And verse 25 says out of the New Living Translation. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others themselves will be refreshed. Generous. You know, generosity extends to so many areas in your life. If you are perpetually stingy, that's what you're going to receive. <laughs> you, don't, you don't help nobody. It's what we can do for you and yours. But he says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. Maybe God has committed for you to be the solution in somebody's life, to be the ear that they need in their life. And the thing is, when you do what God tells you to do, God says, I'm obligated to make sure that somebody's there for you. I'm obligated to whatever seed that you sow. I'm a righteous judge. I got to make sure that there's a harvest. So, yeah, you say, I've been there for everybody. And then God says, all right, I'm going to make sure that somebody's there for you. You say, well, I've been giving, I've been giving, I've been giving, I'm giving and giving and giving. And then God says, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move on somebody that's spiritually mature and I'm going to give, I'm going to give to you through them. But if I'm always the one with my hand out, this is one of the reasons why, you know, when you teach even a poor man to start giving, what, is he, what are we trying to do? Teach you to change the position. God says, I want you to learn how to give because I want your mentality to shift from being someone that consistently takes. I want you to see yourself as a place of distribution and not as a place to be a receiver all the time. I, give me here. Give me, give me, give me, give me. God says, no, no, I want you to change. And you don't wait till you have an abundance to change. 
You change with what you have right now. The generous will prosper. Those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I decide as an act of my will that I am going to move from the position of being a taker to being someone that's a giver. And as you begin to take on this mentality, now you start to act like God. Well, I'm all, he's always giving. God, who can I bless today? <laughs> who, who can I bless today, God? Who can I be an ear in their life today, God? Where can I sow seed today, God? God, how can I be a blessing in the church today, God? I have a heart to give. <laughs> Three ways that you can give to the training center. One way is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Second way is by way of our online giving, which is the trainingcenter-church.org. And of course, you can get live by sending your mail to here, right here at the training center, which is 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. Sweet B. These are the three ways that you can give if you are not live and, of course, in the house. We are working on changing some of our slides. This is one of them that's going to be adjusted here shortly. But the first two ways are, in fact, uh, the way that we give uh, the training center uh, online and, of course, the app. But if you want to sew, you can also sew by sending it to Sweet B here at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. Always... Sweet B, let's, let's stick with, with one for the time being. Uh, always are received by this ministry, amen? And we thank God for those that have sown and those that are already uh, are going to sow uh, by these methodologies that are, in fact, we just indicated to you. Thank God every seed that is sown, it makes a mighty difference within the life of this ministry. And we thank God for your obedience to sow where God tells you to sow. You are, in fact, a part of keeping the lights on here at this ministry. You are, in fact, a part of keeping things happening in this ministry. And we're just believing for the best to come in the life of the training center. Amen. There's some things that I believe that we've been tasked of the Lord to do, from men's fellowships to additional marriage uh, fellowships, that we've got to get the job done. And so we're going to need money to be able to accomplish these things. There's some things that, specifically, our assignment in this region is to teach. Teach. The Spirit of God said, teach, 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 teach teach. Some folks, y'all been hooped up. Y'all been hooped up so much. <laughs> you don't know nothing. At some point in time, we got it. Yeah, it might seem at times, and this is the thing about when you move into areas of teaching, sometimes it does come across a little boring, but it's effective in your life. Because, you know, it's like taking medicine. When you took medicine as a child, you know, sometimes they got to put sugar in it and sweet so that you would take it. But the sign of spiritual maturity is when you can take it raw. <laughs> And just, you don't, you don't need all the cotton candy stuff. Just give me the medicine, Reverend, because I need this medicine for my life. It's going to change some things. Maturity is not where you get slapped. Maturity is when I just take the word of God, and I do because I love God. And so teaching the word is our assignment. And bless God, that's what we're going to do here at the training center. We're going to keep teaching, and we're going to keep teaching. Amen? All right. Let us pray. <laughs> Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless you for this opportunity to sow into your word, God. Lord, this is your church. This is not the assignment singularly of one person, God. This is your assignment within this region. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to sow into your work. We thank you that we have the opportunity to give and bring our tithes and our offerings. And we thank you, Lord, that you are in turn the one that will bless us, that you open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing in which there's not room enough to receive. So we walk in abundance because of disobedience. We thank you, Lord, that because we walk in obedience, you said that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. You said, Lord, that favor, favor would flow to us because we are cheerful, prompt to do it givers. You make all grace abound to us. So, Lord, we believe that we receive what you said. As we sow our seeds, we speak to our seeds and say, See, go grow in the name of Jesus and bring forth the harvest that my heavenly Father said you would do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say, Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Unless you need personal prayer or ministry, you may be dismissed. We are looking. Unless something changes, we will see you on Thursday. Amen. Make a... It's March. I feel pastoral today. <laughs> Make a determination that your commitment that you said you are going to have in January doesn't end in March. And the commitment that you made, please understand that commitment will be challenged. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. The devil said, oh, you going? Let's see. Make a commitment to do what you said you're going to do to God. And as you do so, God says, that commitment is going to have to have a response. When you said, I'm going to commit God to you, God says, all right, I'm going to see. And when I see that you do your part, I'm going to show you the manifestation of my part. I'm going to quit. We'll see you next week. Amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.